Hey guys, happy Thursday, Kevin Cruz here, and today I've dusted off episode 13 with David Marquette, former U.S. Navy sub-commander, wrote a book, Turned the Ship Around, and it's all about his very unusual leadership approach, especially for the military, where instead of kind of barking commands, it's kind of forcing his people to come to him with, I intend to whatever, and then he can react to that. And this is really timely because, you know, I asked David, you'll hear me ask him in this interview uh, from beginning of this year about kind of a famous naval accident, his thoughts on it. And then we've had several uh, horrible naval uh, crashes with civilian vessels, deaths, and it's come out that there's been poor leadership, poor training, no sleep. And so I think this episode's really important, and I wish more people led like David Marquette. Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. What is the surprising thing leaders should stop doing? Hello everyone, Kevin Cruz here. Today we're gonna learn how we can become better leaders by giving up control. But first, I wanna encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter at leadx.org. Each issue has actionable tips you can try right away to advance your career and fulfill your potential. Visit leadx.org. Now, we are very honored to have today's guest. He served in the US submarine force for 28 years, he was assigned command of the nuclear submarine USS Santa Fe, which at the time was suffering from low morale, low performance, and low crew retention. By rejecting the classic leader-follower model, our guest transformed the performance of the Santa Fe from the worst in the fleet to the best in the fleet. He is the author of Turn the Ship Around. Our guest is David Marquette. Welcome, David. Hey, welcome, Kevin. Great to be on the show. Ah, Thanks for joining us. So, David, we're going to talk about turn the ship around in just a minute, but I want to start by asking a couple of questions that our listeners are always curious about. And the, the first is this whole notion of work-life balance. I mean, what do you think about it, and do you have any tips for achieving it? Yeah, um, by some counts, I'm, I'm a bad person to ask that because my wife would say I have no work-life balance. <laughs> but, <laughs> but a more hopeful answer was this. I don't think work-life balance really has anything to do with how much time you spend uh, engaging with your work. It has to do with how you feel about the work that you're doing. If you love what you're doing and you think you're helping people, you have a team that matters, you feel part of something bigger than yourself, then there's no stress. And people in those environments don't ask about work-life balance. It's the people who don't like their jobs and their jobs are stressing them out and their bosses are pissing them off. Those are the people who struggle with work-life balance. And I'm telling you, even if it only went to work for 10 minutes a day, you'd still be out of balance. So it's not about the time you spend. It's about how you feel about your job. Yeah, I, I think this uh, in this world we live in, it's if anything, we can hope for a, a good work-life blend. But uh, in all the research I've seen, I don't really see correlation between that work-life balance and uh, employee engagement or other, other factors. That so makes a lot of sense. Right. So, David, tell us about a time uh, in your career where, you know, you actually failed as a leader. And you, what did you learn <laughs> from it? 
Uh, yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was a good leader. I thought. I thought I had this thing all locked up uh, when I got selected to be a submarine captain. It was um, likely to be the pinnacle of my Navy career, and I thought leadership was all about telling people what to do and getting them to do it. I would, and by the way, I was pretty good at that. <laughs> uh, I was all prepped up to go to one submarine. The very last minute, I got shifted to a different one, one I had, you know, trained up for. And so I, I step aboard the confident, good-looking, you know, submarine captain, and I start telling my guys what to do. And almost immediately, I gave them an order, which, unbeknownst to me, couldn't be done in the submarine. But you know the shocking thing? They actually tried to do it. Even though they knew it couldn't be done. It, yeah, it, <laughs> even though. And I asked them afterwards when it came out, well, we can't actually do this. Basically, it was like saying, you know, shift into fifth gear for a car that had four gears. I mean, so nothing really bad happened, but it was just kind of embarrassing. And then when I – and I, so so I went to this, the officer who – been on board over two years. It was one of the senior officers on board. You know, I'd been there for two weeks. I had no prep time. And, and, and he had been there for two years. I said, hey, did you know this? He said, yes, sir, I did. <laughs> and he kind of gave me this silly smile. I'm like, what the heck, man? And then and I said, uh, well, um, you know, why? And he said, yeah, and everybody, everybody knows why. Because it's what you told me to do. And this really rocked me back on my heels. And I realized that that all my training about leadership was about getting people to do what they were told. And that was not what I needed in this situation. What I needed was for people to think. And I needed to figure out how to get people thinking. Now, our, my instinct was to say, well, you know, I, we got we got our guys together. My instinct was to give them a lecture. Well, you guys need to be proactive. You need to speak up. You need, you know, if you don't agree with me, you got to you got to step into the breach and you got to man up and tell me. And that's not the way it works. Mm. Finally, it came reflected back to me. He said, well, well, actually, I can only control myself. And what can I do? The thing that I can do is stop telling them what to do. And that, and in other words, as I lean back and give them the space, they can lean forward. And we came up with a phrase with, uh, and the phrase is very simple. It's I intend to. And we said, look, don't, don't ask questions. Don't come to me with a problem without a solution. Come to me and you can describe problems. But then say at the end, and here's what I intend to do. I intend to submerge the ship, start up the reactor, load a torpedo. And this was unbelievably successful. And I've heard this referred to intent-based leadership, but it really boils down to those three words. And language is important because they're using the words or not, so you know whether they're sort of getting it or buying into it or not. But how did you roll that out you know, throughout the sub? I mean, the, the, this, uh, this idea that, hey, don't be, don't be waiting for commands anymore. You let me know or you let your, your uh, superior know what you intend to do. How did you train them in that? Well, the submarine I took over was doing very poorly, and, and their mindset was to avoid making mistakes, which, of course, biases you towards avoiding making decisions. Mm. And so I, had, I was really worried that nothing was going to happen. But a few people picked it up right away, and they were like, this is awesome. And so I sort of, you know, I responded to them. I encouraged them. A lot of what happens on the submarine happens in a public environment. You're in the control room, for example. So all these people are watching me interact with the few senior officers that are that are really getting it. Uh, and, and when someone would come up to me and when they say, Captain, I request permission to uh, submerge the ship, for example, I wouldn't give them a lecture about 
well, you know, here we say I intend to. I would just ignore them. It was very awkward. Mm. I, I was just not even paying attention to them. Finally, some you know junior enlisted guy would say, hey, lieutenant, try saying I intend to. And then they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I intend to. And I kind of come, come alive like you know a puppet coming to life and say, yes, okay, great. And one of the benefits of a submarine is you can't get away, right? You're there 24 hours a day. We're all confined within really a couple hundred feet of each other, 135 people. And so these, it's a very closely coupled system, and so things cascade. And so within a very short period of time, it cascaded from me to the officers to the chiefs and down to the to the enlisted guys. And what we saw was really interesting because a junior uh, enlisted man, and I personally knew the bottom of the hierarchy, normally would would be sort of a tell me what to do kind of role. But here, that even even those guys were coming up and saying, "Hey, here's the situation." Here's why this is the right thing to do. Here's what I intend to do. And it really turned, um, you know, when I got to the submarine, I described it as one leader and 134 followers, one thinker and 134 doers. And we really turned into 135 thinking people. And that's really the key, I think, to engagement. Uh, it's very simple. We have all these like ch- tricks to engage our people. I think it's very, very simple. Get, give your people the ability to make decisions. You can't be making decisions without being engaged. It engages your brain. So it's that so that's it's that happens. autonomy uh, trigger <laughs> uh, exactly. for, for engagement. So right. l- let's go back. Now, let's pretend the I intend to was in place already. Uh, everyone's familiar with it. Back when you gave, you know, the, the mistaken uh, two thirds emergency propulsion order. Now, is it that you would have said, hey, I intend to go up, you know, EPM two thirds. And they would have said, well, you might intend to, but it ain't going to happen. Or, you know, they yeah. challenge you back. Or is it that you wouldn't have been the guy to say it at all? You're there and they are saying, hey, we we want to, we intend to advance. And they wouldn't have said two thirds because they knew it, it didn't have that ability. Right. So, so it's a contract, right? The leader says, look, here's the deal. I'm going to stop giving you instructions. I'm going to stop micromanage you. I'm going to, but I am going to give you our intent. I'm going to lay out clearly what our intentions are, what our purpose is, okay. what our why is, what we're trying to do. Okay. So, so, and the team says, okay, I got that. And for my part, I'm going to stop asking for admission. I'm going to tell you how we intend to achieve what, what we're trying to achieve. So in other words, in this situation, my goal was to stress the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goal was to make it harder. Uh, we were running an exercise with the reactor shut down, and my goal was to make it harder uh, for the engineers and to add stress to the activity. And so what I should have said in this intent-based environment was, hey, I want you to stress the team. Do something that will stress the team right. and, make, and, and make it harder for them, and then let let, uh, in, th- in this case, uh, the, the officer of the deck would have come back and said, okay, well, well I intend to, um, m- you know, maybe tell them that some ship is bearing down on us and we re- really need propulsion quickly or something like, you know, right. just, you know, something that creates a mental stress, something that was actually physically possible right, to do, right. <laughs> as opposed to like my, my knucklehead approach was, well, I'm, you know, let's, let's speed up. Had it been possible, it would have had the effect, but rather than just say, here's, here's what I really want you to tend to achieve, I was down micromanaging the details. Yeah, it, it, and I think, I mean, hopefully the listeners don't think I'm, you know, berating the point or the case, but I, I think there's a lot here because, uh, you know, there's there's different levels of, of how you could have expressed your goal, all of which w- would be better than, I mean, you didn't physically have your hand on the controls, but you, all, you practically did with that first order. So whether you just yeah. say, hey, 
our goal is to is to stress is let's let's crank up the stress of this simulation. That's that's one way to talk about your intended outcome. Or you could have said more specifically, "Hey, let's accelerate the the drain on the battery." Right. That's still uh, now that's more of a micro goal than the bigger level goal. But that's still not telling them specifically like they're robots to you know just just go up to a, a two thirds, which didn't exist. So you know right. I, I, I'm hoping our listeners really take that away and. You know, I, I suffer from this, uh, David. I'm sure, you know, it's, it's a common challenge because we're all moving so fast that as leaders, we know very often we can solve the problem faster <laughs> than, than our team can. We often do know what the right answer is. It is easier to just fix it ourselves, but that's a short-term fix that could get us in trouble down the road, right? Exactly. So, so that's, that's the tension because you're, you're, you know, we got to get work. We got to get it done. It's always easier. You're going to see the, because as a leader, you will see the problem first. Most likely you will see the solution first, most likely. And you say, look, we can just keep moving. If I just give you guys the answer, you go off and do it. And the team sort of, you know, invites that and they're like, just, just tell us what we need to do <laughs> right. here. And then, and, and so uh, in a tent based leadership, we, we call, uh, we play what we call, a know all but tell not leader. It's that moment when you see the answer and you say, you know what? I want you guys to go work on that for half an hour, 30, even if it's just 30 seconds. Think about that and then tell me what you intend to do. You'll learn a lot more. Oh, by the way, they'll, that's when they're doing their leadership push-ups. That's when they're building the ability to become leaders and they're building independence in the team so that a week, a month, a year from now, you don't know when. They're going to say, you know, we had a situation. We couldn't get a hold of you, but this is what we did. And you say, oh, my oh my gosh, that's amazing. And your team moves forward. There's a bias for action as opposed to, you know, most people are mired in this permission-based environment. Well, the boss didn't say yes yet, so, you know, it must be no. See, this is you, – you hit on a lot of, of pure gold right there. So, first of all, again, you know, this no all, tell not. That, I, that is so powerful because, again, as leaders, we're often – told explicitly or it's implied that we should be the expert. And in fact, a question I get is from new leaders who say, oh, my gosh, I've taken over a team, but like I never I never did the jobs of the people that I'm leading. I'm in bad shape. And and it's actually we should stop trying to be the know it all, tell it all. It's good to know it, but we should hold back from telling those answers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think knowing your job is important. Uh, for me, it took going into a position where I didn't know the details to really understand the power of, of not telling people what to do. Because the problem is when you're the expert, when you see everything faster, uh, you know, for whatever reason, then you end up falling into this default mode where you're telling everybody what to do, which is permission for them to shut down their brains. Because they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, John will tell us what to do. So, you know, why do I need to worry about it? And David, I loved I loved your phrase there about leadership push-ups. You know, instead of yeah. saying to some, you know, someone comes in with the problem. And how many of us, with our open door policies, just again because it's expedient, someone walks in with a problem, we tell them the solution, and out they go. But it's as simple as what you said: let them do some leadership push-ups. Say, hey, go away for thirty minutes and think about it, or come back in thirty minutes with three possible ideas or solutions. And then let's talk about it. And at least they go out and they get that workout in. Exactly. And oh, by the way, how how good does that feel? Oh, all day long, people come in my door and I tell them <laughs> I, I saw I help I help them out. I solve their problems. I go home at the end of the day and I feel, man, did I do a good job today? But it's psycho. 
it's um it it, it it's uh you know it's a psychological parasite because what you're doing is you're making yourself feel good at the expense of your team yeah that's right that's that's really powerful talk more than about um the role of the leader, especially in, you know, critical situations like you're a commander of a sub. I mean, one one role is, OK, leader is coach. I'm hearing that, you know, loud and clear. It's like, OK, let me coach you through this situation, uh, this problem solving. What else is really the role then of the leader? So I think the leader does a couple of really important things. First of all, if there's dissent on the purpose or the intent, the leader has to set the intent. They say, look, Let's be clear. Here's what we're trying to do here. And we're not trying to do everything. This is the most important thing. Number two, the leader creates structure. The leader creates an environment so that it's easy for the people to participate. The, the idea is not to solve the problem. The, the, the idea is to create an environment where everybody's views and perspectives come out on the table because that will result in the best problem solving by the team. Because because the mindset is normally I'm right. Let me coach you to the to the correct answer as opposed to I'm going to learn along with you. Like cancel teaching moment. Oh, let me take a teaching moment. That right. just pisses people off, right? right? So just say – so when someone someone comes to you, like a guy would come to me and say, yeah, uh, the machine's starting to vibrate a lot. Our plan – I'm thinking, right, the plan is, hey, let's shut it down and change the oil, check the bearings or something. And, they, and, and he says, so we're just going to keep running it until it breaks. And in my head, I'm like, no, that's a boneheaded idea. But instead of saying, no, this is what you're going to do, I encourage leaders to say, yeah, tell me more in a very sort of non-judgmental way. Not why do you want to do that? But, you know, hey, tell me more because you may look you will learn something, even if what you learn is that your person doesn't have any idea about how machines. Work. Right, right. Hopefully, hopefully that's not it. But but they're closer to it. They're the ones standing on the deck plate, feeling the vibration in their shoes, looking into the client's eyes, whatever it happens to be. They're closer to the problem. They know something you don't know. And your job at that point is to make it easy for them to tell you what that is. And, and whether you end up shutting down the machine or not, at the end of the day, they feel like you listen to them and then they're going to be more likely to share their thoughts, beliefs and feelings in the future. Another powerful three word combination. Tell me more. It gets you so much more out of the uh, the action. And, and David, this is uh, with just the, the few minutes we have. This has just kind of occurred to me. So what is your instinct when when something does go bad? Uh, you know, things bad things do happen. And, and you know, in the world of subs, I think back to the USS Greenville all the way back in 2001, you right. surfaced and, and collided with a Japanese fishing vessel. Your instincts, is it that there's leadership that, again, was giving orders and that weren't being challenged or, or set through or was it too much power was given and the top leadership didn't catch a decision that was made somewhere else in time? Like what what goes awry? Yeah. So I think if you want a resilient system where errors don't get propagated through the system, you really need to create an environment where it's OK for people to tell you you're wrong. Mm. Um, and, and we all know, um, like you see the thing with this uh, Volkswagen, I, I happen to have one of those cars and the uh, FBI arrested one of the executives today. And it's Volkswagen is a very hierarchical, do what you're told um, corporate culture. And so the, the excuse is always, well, I was just doing what I was told. And it absolves people of responsibility. The Greenville accident happened while, uh, to a classmate of mine uh, while I was in command of the Santa Fe. And it was a classic case. Afterwards, a crew member said, you know, 
I was when the captain said it's all clear. Uh, I, I did have a doubt in my mind, and, mm. and we we had this trace on the sonar that ended up being the uh, Ahimi Maru, the fishing boat that they collided with and killed nine people. But it didn't say anything, and 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 that's the tragedy. It's because in this environment where the captains have to be right or the CEO is right, it it, it suppresses that. You know, hey, are we sure about right, this? Right. And and you know, I'm seeing something that's different than what everybody else is talking about. And and letting it be okay for people to say that, it is so powerful. Yeah, that, that's uh, it, it makes a lot of sense because, and, and I'm sure on a small level, I know you do a lot of work with hospitals and that's the classic thing, you know, does, does the nurse feel empowered to challenge the doctor if the doctor forgot to wash her hands, you know, for uh, and, and things of that nature. Um, so you need to, to create that safe environment. Yeah, and and let me just kind of go back to the, to the setup for this whole thing, which is our instinct is to give our people a lecture. Oh, you know, you need to speak up. You need to, you know, it's it's okay, it's okay here for people to express dissenting opinions, you know, and make that pronouncement. But if you don't practice it and you don't actually shut your mouth first and say, well, what do you guys? Before you guys hear what I think, I want to hear what y'all think, uh, and do things like that. It's just empty words, and it doesn't work. Makes sense. Now, David, before we wrap up, I like to challenge our listeners to try something new today. So what's something, you know, whether you're a leader of a five person team or maybe you're even an individual contributor, what's something in this area of uh, intent based yeah. leadership that they could try? I want you to practice giving up control in some small, small way. It doesn't need to be at work. Here's an example. Next time you go out to eat, tell the waiter, you pick my meal. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm great. The peanuts. Yeah, <laughs> but you pick my meal. I want you to practice giving up control, whether it's driving the car, whether it's going to eat, whether it's the next time the project team leader comes in and talks to you about something. I want you to practice in one small way every day. Just give up a little bit of control and, and, and see how that feels, because that's when you feel that feeling, that tinge of anxiety, you're on the right track to becoming a great leader. I love that, and I'm I'm literally going to try that exercise myself. And and there's nothing I that I'm allergic to, so it could be anything. <laughs> David, what's the best way uh, our listeners can find out more about uh, you and your your book? Hey, we have a website, David Marquet, D A V A D M A R Q U E T dot com, where we have some resources. The books turn the ship around. You get it on Amazon. And uh, one thing we have um, that we've got a bunch of leaders participating in, in almost 20,000 is we have a weekly leadership nudge. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. You can also get it on Twitter. And these little nudges are little 75-second snippets, me talking about something very small and uh, little bite-sized pieces. You don't need more training. You just need reminders. Love it, the weekly nudge. All right, friends, you've just been mentored by Subcommander David Marquet. Check out his book on Amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. You can get the links he mentioned and show notes from this interview over at leadx.org. And listeners, I've got a favor to ask. If you've gotten even one new idea from this show, please take a minute. Just leave an honest one-sentence review up on iTunes because the more reviews a podcast gets, the more likely iTunes will show it off to other people. Until next time, remember, you don't need a title to be a leader. It's not about power or authority. Leadership is about influence. How will you lead today? <laughs>